Welcome to Getting Curious. I'm Jonathan Benness, and every week I sit down for a gorgeous 30-minute conversation with a brilliant expert to learn all about something that makes me curious. This week, I'm curious about neuroscience and how virtual reality is being used to help recover memories. Honey, is that even true? Are we in like Westworld? Are we in Harry Potter? Like, where even are we? So I'm joined by one of the first researchers to be exploring this field, Dr. Nantia Suthana. So here's the thing. You're a PhD, and what's your gorgeous title? Title? I'm a neuroscientist. Oh, yeah, UCLA. Uh, uh, love that. UCLA, we're literally hitting up so many universities in Southern California today. Like, we're doing USC. We're doing UCLA. We're doing so many smart, powerful women. I'm obsessed. Awesome. So neuroscience, how did you decide that you wanted – like, did you always think you wanted to do that when you were little? No, actually. I had no idea what, what I wanted to do. And uh, in college, I sort of took a year off to explore and find my passion. You did a gap year. I did a gap year. Where did you yeah, go? I went all over Europe. I traveled abroad. Yeah. It's... And then and then, where were you when you were like, I want to be a neuroscientist? I was in Paris. <gasps> yeah, of all places. Gorgeous. And it, it was the, the, the city of love and you found yes, your love. I, exactly. Well, I, I love that. I put it that way, but that's exactly And true. I love that it wasn't a, like a stupid man or woman. It was just like, yeah. you know, this boy called me out for assuming that this other boy was straight on Instagram the other day and now I feel like I if I'm ever making a joke or talking about like someone's like falling in love I don't want to put a gender on like who they should fall in love with right so now I just feel the need to like say all of them Uh, so but anyway I love that you found you found your passion in Paris yes and that was an alliteration I think passion in Paris cute (laughs) so you're there and then you had to go to school for like 17 years which is insane (laughs) that that trip to Paris was like when you were two and you were already going through like gap years and existential crisis like right, you know, two seconds ago. But so yeah, school was probably intense. It was intense, but I loved it. So, you know, when you love what you're learning, it's... Um, not to be, um, you know, morbid or ask about blood, but like in brains, but like when you go through, when you become a neuroscientist, do you have to like dissect a brain? You do, yeah. Multiple, multiple species? Times, multiple species, yeah. Which, so what did you dissect? Um, I mean, actually, mostly I, I was human. You know? Really? So is the amygdala really the size of a thumbnail? It's a... It's it's a yeah about I me. Mean, I would say maybe a little bigger, but yeah, I could just I guess that's correct. My therapist yeah. explained to me that's, that if if you took your thumb and yeah. then like put your thumb like in your palm like you're making mm-hmm. a four and then like surrounded your thumb with your fingers mm-hmm. that like your amygdala is basically where your thumbnail would be because it's like roughly the size of yeah, a brain. Is is your is sense. your fist roughly the size of a brain? Maybe but a it's like a little bigger. bigger. Yeah. But like your amygdala is like where it would be, and yeah, that's like your that's, nerve. That's like your that's fight or flight, correct. whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like if like if your man just told you that he cheated on you, like your amygdala is all up. Crazy. Or like, or even if it's just like maybe he looked at another girl for a second and you were like, yeah. yep, yeah, it goes off yeah. totally. <laughs> or like, or if there's someone like walking behind you and you're like, and then you yeah. cross the street and they like mysteriously cross the street at the mm-hmm. same like amygdala. It's activating. Yeah. So that's what the amygdala does. Fight, fight or flight. Okay. Mm-hmm. And okay. We are so into this neuroscience right now. It's major. So, but you're researching, you're dissecting brains, you become a doctor and then what happens? Then uh, eventually I start my own lab, which was a few years ago. So and where was that at? UCLA. And is that kind of the goal of like a scientist to get like their own lab? Is that like a thing That's that we want? That's one of them. It's not, it's not, it used to be the very, you know, the common goal, the traditional route. Now there's a lot of other opportunities you can, you know, go for uh, outside of academic, you know, life. But traditionally it's getting a lab, you know, doing, continuing with your science, doing research studies. So sidebar, uh, you know, listeners, we Kali Wally, who I'm always talking to, and then Mary is our producer, who we're obsessed with. So when Mary, when they're this like gorgeous, like power married couple, we love them so much. They like believed in me when no one else did. I'm like obsessed with them. But Mare Bear 
when she talked to me about you and she briefed me on like what your story is, it immediately struck me as like Harry Potter, but in real life because of that episode or not the episode, but the movie with the pensive and you would like in Dumbledore would take his memories from his Mm -hmm. hair and he would Mm -hmm. put it in that water Mm -hmm. bowl and then you could like be in the memory because you are like the, like one of the first, you're like the first neuroscientist or one of the first neuroscientists who like, what did you do? I think you could say accurately that maybe I'm I'm one of the f- the first to combine re- brain implants, patients that have brain implants, are recording deep in the brain with virtual reality to try to understand what's happening in the brain and ultimately lead us to developing therapies for people who have brain problems. So I have like 27,000 questions about that because that was like major. But <laughs> but I guess where I need to start is like how does a memory get like what like so like your brain is like this thing. She's this like kind of wet, like rubbery, spongy jello y thing <laughs> with like kind of a squishy texture. Yeah, okay. And then like when you're born and we get memories, like mm-hmm. it, like it's like in that that one commercial for um I think it's like for fibromyalgia and it's like fibromyalgia is like when your nerves like you know are sending mm-hmm. all those yeah. things and and like so like that's the inside of our brain yeah. and then million time fold, yeah. And then memories, memories are, are what happens. Magically. I mean, this is what we're trying to figure out. It's so I'm leading so with the mystery. million dollar question. Yeah. Okay. So we don't know. Yeah, we don't know. Okay, got it. So we don't really know how they're made. <laughs> no, but what we do know is... We know that, you know, when you're forming a memory for a moment like this right now, right? You're, everything's coming in, what you see, what you hear, what you smell, what you feel. And, and it's all sort of bottling up and going into one critical area, which I study, which is right behind the amygdala. It's called the hippocampus. Okay. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's it stands for like a seahorse, sort of seahorse-looking structure, the way it's shaped. Like, is it perpendicular to the ground, the seahorse yeah, structure? Yeah, it is, actually. So yeah. it's pointing up and down. No, no, sorry. It's, sorry, it's parallel. It's, it's pointing, parallel. Yeah, back like this, yeah. It's, it's like sort of the amygdala is here, and it's just going sort of behind it. Behind it, and it's a, and if you looked over it, like if you cut the brain in half, you would see sort of like a seahorse type of structure on yeah. each side on of each it. Side, there's two of them. Oh, cute! Yeah, and, and that's that's where we our memories are formed. If you don't have that area for for whatever reason, if it's damaged or it's taken out, you can't form memories for events. So is that where Alzheimer's attacks then? It's first place. Yep. And isn't there like because my grandma had like either dementia or Alzheimer's because mm. like you can't really tell like which one it is unless you do an autopsy, right? There are tests that are being developed to try to look at proteins that are built up, uh, but it's, the col- it's difficult. Because isn't there like cauliflower sort of like lesions or something that like there grows are, over it? There are lesions and buildup of certain proteins, and then the cells start dying, and that's when you, you know, at that point you really have lots of symptoms. And so the tests are like trying to determine like if the proteins are present in the brain or whatever? Mm, yep. That's interesting. So, okay. So that's what a hippocampus is. And that's like your moment that you love her, Mm -hmm. that hippocampus. That's the part of the brain I fell in love with when I was 19 in Paris. Uh, Are people born or sometimes people born without hippocampuses? No, as far as I know, I think there's never been a case that would be very interesting. But um, there, it's usually the, the historical case is the one patient who had surgery and had those areas, the hip, both hippocampus taken out for seizures, for preventing his seizures. And, you know, we didn't know at that time. The scientists What year was know. that? It was uh, 60, 70 years ago, 1950s. And yeah. he lived through the surgery? And he lived through the surgery. His seizures were better. He didn't have his, you know, as many seizures, but he couldn't form memories for events. So he's sort of like locked in 
time going forward. Like, but do you remember the past? He remembered the past before the surgery. He recognized his wife. He recognized people that he knew, his family. But he couldn't meet, let's say, you know, you for the first time and remember you going forward. So you'd meet me for the first time every and, time. And forget you every 10 minutes or so, yeah. Wow, it's like that yeah. movie or something. It is. They made a lot of movies about this. And yeah, It's kind of Dory-ish. It's, it's, it's very Dory-ish. Cute. Yeah. That's a little sad Cute, for him. Cute, but not for him. Sad yeah, yeah, yeah. Him, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Wow. So then you're like, so you're studying and you're like hippocampus this, hippocampus that, like sometimes they're big. Some like, how, so what have you learned about the hippocampus? The, the, the new opportunity here is a few years ago, the FDA approved a device to put into that area to prevent seizures. So instead of surgically removing it, you can put in an implant and treat the seizures, you know, by stimulating. And so as a scientist, that's a huge opportunity for me because there's a permanent implant in the hippocampus, the area that I study, that's like a window into the brain, this rare window into the brain. So what I do is I bring those patients in, record from that area while they're doing memory, you know, games or memory tasks. So how do you get the implant in? They do it surgically. A surgeon so will they, put it in there. So they – is that a Open pretty hardcore surgery? I mean, it's, you know, it has its risk. Your brain's being opened and there's something being put in there. But they, you know, are very good at this. And then what if you, like, move around a lot or if you're, like, an athlete or something? Right. No, it's very it's locked in, drilled, you know, the, it's connected. It's, 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 it's connected not, to it's, your skull? There's a, there's a part of it that's in the skull that's, you know, very securely drilled in there. So it's not moving around no matter what. Got it. Um, yeah. Okay, you, I love that. But you don't. You want to be careful if you have one of these. You don't want to go do, you know, like a mosh pit. Yeah, no. Yeah, got it. So, and then what? How does this implant record? Like, what does she? Does she? Is does she record? Like, is it? Do you get? Do you get to like go into the memory and like be there? Is it like a? Is like a movie? That would be awesome. That's one day, hopefully. It's like someday. Yeah. Right now, it records electrical changes that the brain. The brain uses the language of the brain is electricity. So it, you know, fires literal electricity like this light. Literally like this light. Yep. I don't know how I believe. (laughs) Well, Tell me how it works. I don't that's understand. That's how it works. The, the, the cells in your brain fire, you know, move ions. Those little things from the Lyrica commercial? Yeah, exactly. A little electricity fire, you know, they fire electricity. That's how they talk to each other. And this device can record those changes. The device can record the changes. Because what kind of electrical is one like a beta wave and one's yeah. like a gamma wave or yeah, something when you're like. Waves. Theta waves happen to be the interesting one that I study. Because isn't theta the waves the ones that you make when you're relaxed? Those are alpha, I think you're thinking about. Oh. Yeah, these are a little lower. Alpha is about 10 times per second, and theta is about six, six, seven, eight times per second. Okay. And they're very important for memory. If you somehow mess them up, you, you know, can't. How learn. can someone fuck up their theta? How can someone mess up their theta their waves? Theta waves. I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's the drugs. Thing. Yeah, potentially. You know, certain drugs that cause like what memory loss. I don't weed. Know. Maybe. We no, don't we don't know these things. This is not weed. Studying. I mean, I don't. I, this is this is why we have scientists who are studying these things. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> it's like let's bring it back, Jonathan, to like your era. But it's like not everything is about you, Jonathan. God, get it together. <laughs> so rude. Um, okay, so. Theta waves are important for, for tell okay not to be sad but like what are some brain diseases that like you study in this like yeah, what, like you mentioned Alzheimer's disease one of them epilepsy is the one that I work with a lot of patients with epilepsy I have a girl from my age who has epilepsy and she can't yeah, drive now I know it's hard they can't drive or you know do what, we had one patient who just wanted to like go surfing and that's obviously not safe oh why be, but could you could go with a partner right yeah you can have if someone's with you you can do all those things but it's you know hard sometimes you just want to go out and totally you know, so yeah and. Doesn't epilepsy a lot of time like come on in people's twenties? Yeah, sometimes it does. It, it's a delayed onset for whatever reason. Sometimes it's due to some sort of trauma or brain damage, or you know. So it's it's hard to know. That's why they have to. So I work with patients. They have to do a lot of 
things, evaluate them, study them before they get to the point where you, they put an implant in there. That's like sort of at the end of it. Oh, because you got to um, make sure that they're like a good candidate. With there, like, yeah. It, first you try medications and all this other stuff and see if that works. Because can you, aside from learning from the device, you can like do things to the brain from outside right. of it to affect like a symptom? Yes. So Cute. That's, that's another thing. The other half of my research is to try to see if we can use electric, you know, stimulation to try to improve memory, right? Could that be something useful for people that have memory impairments, traumatic brain injuries? Um, Has know. it been? Have you yeah, had any? There's a, there's a lot of work being done. It's a really very uh, active area in neuroscience. Even for psychiatric disorders, people are looking into it for depression. You know, Like PTSD. PTSD yeah. Exactly. And that's actually, yeah, an area we work, work with as well at UCLA. So... Yeah, so it's it's. I'm hopeful that in the next five ten years we'll have new therapies, and but we need to understand how it works, you know, as well. So that's that's where understand how memories are how made. Memories are made. So what's go? Works. So what are you? Your I mean, your sleeves are rolled up. You're doing the most on that right now. It's like, what are we learning? What's going on? Uh, so one of the things we're learning about is these theta waves that they seem to be very uh, important for when you're gonna learn something that you remember later. So we're interested in when you remember it later versus when you forget. Can we predict when what you're going to remember? You know, Oh like that. my God. That's really interesting. I feel like sometimes in my mind, I, cause I have like this uncanny ability to remember a lot of really random things that then I also forget a lot of stuff mm-hmm. too. So sometimes when I'm noticed that I'm forgetting a certain thing that I really want to remember, I'll like put both my feet on the ground and I'll mm-hmm. close my eyes. And I think of it as like making a file. Hmm, yeah. Like and like, I close my eyes and I like put my hands on my temples and I like I'm like I'll say it like a few times and then I feel like I don't fucking forget yeah, it. Yeah, no, you're using a lot of the things that we learn can help with remembering certain things. There's strategies. Yeah. What are other gorgeous strategies? Uh, you know, there's a there's a whole group of folks that use this thing called Memory Palace where they try to, like you said, file things in places in their house, you know, that's helping them to remember certain things. Or like you said, file it in a cabinet or whatever. I mean, visualizing. I think the more senses you use and the more time you use to focus on it, the deeper it's processed, the more likely it'll be remembered later, you know. I love that story. So theta waves are really important for, like, Mm -hmm. remembering things. We think, yeah. And then what, what, and then how many waves are there? Uh, you know, there's we study a whole range of them, right? So from 1 to 250 hertz, like you said, gamma, delta, all these other waves. Some may be involved in attention. It's a, it's a lot of combination of things. you got to be attending. If you're emotionally connected to it, you may also remember it. There's an emotional ad, you know, component to it as well. Um, so there are lots of things going on. But, you know, one of the things we're doing in, in the lab is, how, is trying to figure out Trying to simulate these real world, that's a problem with a lot of the research, is it's so hard to simulate real world episodes. You know, classically in the lab, you look at like computer screens or memorized words that they show you. And that doesn't really translate to real world episodes like what you did for dinner last night or what you did for your birthday last year. So the other component that we're working on is trying to simulate these real world activities with virtual reality or augmented reality. This technology is getting really strong now. And then we can start to see, okay, how do these theta waves change when, you know, oh. in these immersive, uh, you know, environments where you're remembering somebody's name or remembering Hold that thought item. right there okay. because I, I sense that we're on 15 minutes. Okay. And I also sense that this is like the meat and potatoes and peanut butter and jelly of this episode. So hold that thought. VR, virtual reality, making virtual memories. Reality. Listen to the, Just go on this gorgeous, you know, commercial journey with me. It's going to be pretty painless. Like picture me in a closet with a microphone and a little box with like noise absorbing things in it. And then picture me like screaming obscenities between them and like trying to make it fit in the time and make it be cute. So picture that 
while you listen to these ads and take in the ads, because listen to them, it makes all this possible. And then we'll be right back with more Getting Curious. Sounds good. Okay, great. Honey, take a moment and just think to yourself, describe yourself in one word. Are you simple, sophisticated, or adventurous? However you dress, the stylist at Stitch Fix can help you find your favorite piece. Stitch Fix is an online personal styling service that delivers your favorite clothing, shoes, and accessories directly to you. First, you complete a style profile, then an expert personal stylist will send you a hand-picked box of items based on your preferences. They even have men's and kids' boxes, too, which we love, honey. Let's get everyone, uh, you know, taken care of. Plus, I'm sure you can mix and match if they aren't, you know, in the dark ages. What if you want something from both? With no subscription required, you can pick between automatic shipments or only getting new pieces on demand. Shipping, exchanges, and returns are always free. Plus, the $20 styling fee is automatically applied towards anything you keep from your box. We love our Stitch Fix personal stylists. I can customize my own gorgeous preferences, whether it's sizing, brand, or budget. Once you finish the style quiz and set up your ideal number of deliveries, honey, you'll receive everything from jewelry to shoes to bags, all to go with your hand-picked outfits. I love that. Get started today at stitchfix.com slash JVN and get an extra 25% off when you keep everything in your box. That's S-T-I-T-C-H fix.com slash JVN for an extra 25% off when you keep everything in your box. Support for today's show comes from Rakuten. Rakuten is a free member-based loyalty program that lets you earn up to 40% cash back at over 2,500 stores. It's perfect for all your back-to-school shopping needs. Get cash back on everything from school supplies to new clothes at some of your favorite retailers like Macy's, Forever 21, Walmart, and more. And don't worry, it's always free. No gimmicks, no points to redeem. Better yet, Rakuten is so simple and easy to use. Simply go to Rakuten.com, click on the retailer you're looking for to activate the cash back, and then shop as normal. You'll earn a percentage of every purchase you make up to 40% cash back. Then, every three months, members will be paid in the form of a check or via PayPal. Sign up today at Rakuten.com. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N.com. If there is something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals, BetterHelp Online Counseling can help. BetterHelp offers licensed professional counselors who are specialized in issues such as depression, anxiety, relationships, trauma, anger, family conflicts, LGBTQ matters, grief, self-esteem, and more. Connect with your professional counselor in a safe and private online environment. And get help at your own time and at your own pace. Anything you share is confidential. And it's so convenient. You can schedule secure video or phone sessions as well as chat and text with your therapist. If for some reason you are not happy with your counselor, though, you can request a new one at any time and for no additional charge. Best of all, it's a truly affordable option. Getting Curious with Jonathan Van Ness listeners can get 10% off your first month with the discount code JVN. So why not get started today? Go to betterhelp.com slash JVN. Then simply fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with the counselor you'll love. That's betterhelp.com slash JVN. You can hear ad-free new episodes of Getting Curious, plus two weekly bonus episodes only on Stitcher Premium. For a free month of Stitcher Premium, go to stitcherpremium.com slash JVN and use promo code JVN. Welcome back to Getting Curious. This is Jonathan Ben We are joined by PhD, neuroscientist, Nathia Susana. Susana! Got it out. No! <laughs> um, 
<laughs> Dr. Nathia Suthana, yes. nailing it now. You know what? In my short program, I sat it down. In the long program, I sat it down twice. But when I made the Olympic team the second time, I nailed it. Okay. So I got there eventually, yes. you All know? So you are falling in love with neuroscientists. You've been studying it and studying it. And now you're just like in your full, like Olivia Pope, putting out brain memory fires prowess. And you're like, wait a tick. Like, I think I have a breakthrough or something. Yeah, I guess maybe you could think of it that way. When I started my lab, I thought this could be a breakthrough, combining the new tech that's being developed in virtual reality and, and combining that with this device that the FDA just approved a little, like around the same time. Combining those two things uh, could easily, I think, make a breakthrough in the, in, the, in the future for scientists to be able to find some very, you know, interesting novel things. So Because mm-hmm. so much of the issue with studying brain yes. stuff in neuroscientists is like you're, you're in Not like realistic. these labs that yeah. it, it can't give you like real figures, yeah. which kind of is like how, because like when I do my blood pressure at like, like, like CVS or like a, at a place where I'm not going to the doctor, it's always normal. It's always gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It's always like 120 oh, over 80. It's like, it's, it's sitting pretty. But whenever I go to my normal, normal doctor like for your normal checkup like I've been chugging coffee I'm 15 Mm. minutes late I'm like can't stop looking at the Instagram that like why wasn't I invited there like what's going on and then my fucking blood pressure is like through the roof it's always like 179 over 12 it's like always some fucked up weird number and then they're like well let's wait 40 minutes and and then it's like even worse because like I've been sitting in the hospital and I'm like Jesus get me out of here but then it's always normal when I'm not there so it's like you know simulating tests and like taking if if, if the reading if the if like the median and the mode and like the whatever of like when you learned about in science class isn't right. cute it's you're not going to get good results and you're right. a scientist so you really want good gorgeous results especially if you want to treat patients in the real world right yes. how are you going to get there you got to simulate the real world totally yeah. so tell us about it so yeah. you're like let me just like combine these moments i mean it's it's really what you would you could think of the potential there right you could build anything no we can't that's why you're <laughs> yeah. here you're, you got to tell us about it i mean we started simple you build simple rooms that you want to have people walk through and find objects or learn in the vr yeah in the in the virtual so like the thing where you see people on instagram like taping people with that mask on when they're like waving around in the middle of a room like looking hilarious like that's the vr that we're doing right it is just because i want a vision of like what we're doing because like my i dated this one boy where they had vr at this like um clothing store and like he put on that mask and he was like doing stuff in it and then like i kept putting it on my insta story because he just looked funny doing it um you know i'm immature sometimes we all struggle with that so, but anyway, but is that what we're doing? Like in the yeah, lab, like no, we have to like put on the, the goggle. Goggles, yes, but you're doing it for medical, so it's not funny. It's like fierce. <laughs> right. There's yeah. no talking. It's serious when we're yeah. recording. Oh, really? Yeah. You can't talk? Well, we don't want other variables influencing the brain activity, right? So we want everything to be very simple and quiet and structured. And all we're changing is what they're seeing on the on, on the. Oh, video, shit. Okay. The so the patient comes in to yeah. like. Uh, My lab. Your lab, mm-hmm. which is like, well, like you don't have to tell me the address, but like yeah. what's like the area? Like I just want to visualize what it is. So you go to UCLA, which is David David Geffen Medical School, which coincidentally is where some of Harry Potter was filmed. Oh, really? I'll have you know. Yes. Oh, cool. Yes. Yes. Awesome. I I think I remember reading that somewhere. Maybe my memory is wrong. Maybe it was formed in a place where I was too distracted (laughs) or whatever. So that they go in and then and then what happens? Uh, They come in. They put on the you know goggles. Uh, We put some markers. These little reflective markers. Uh, that, you know, kind of like what they have on, you know, Nike or, you know, different uh, clothing, workout clothing that reflect light. Uh-huh. So we have these cameras in the ceiling that can track every 
you know, position that they're in, the movement, the speed, everything. Oh, because is the room that they're in doing the test on directly linked to the room that they're seeing? No, it, they're transported to a completely different room. So it's a brand new room that they have to learn the layout. But is the room in the VR the same proportions yes, as the room that they're the in? Yes, the same proportions. Got it. Nice. So like that's why the cameras are like important because exactly. it can tell you like exactly. how quickly they're finding something. We don't something. want them to run into the walls. Right? Got it. So, uh, they'll walk around. They'll we'll instruct them. Okay, you're going to see certain things that you have to remember. Go and find them. So they walk around. In an earpiece or something. They, they're all. Uh, it, there are instructions on the goggles, and there's also audio. The, the, the goggles have audio as well, so they can hear it. Um, and you can also the patients can also hear us. We can talk to them. Oh, because are, are you like looking through like one of those like two way mirror things or something? Like are you we're like in the room next, with them? Oh, you're in the yeah, same they room. Don't see us. It's not so as scary. We, yeah, no, no, no. They, Got they, it. They don't see us, so we're in the room with them, and then they. In my imagination, you were in a two way mirror thing yeah, and like cool. viewing them with like clipboards and stuff. But like I'm, I'm here <laughs> for this like, real yeah, version yeah. too, and I'm totally here for it. I'm, I'm totally here for it. So you're in the same room, and you're kind of like mm-hmm. telling them, and then we start. What are the rooms? Is it like is it a bedroom? Is it a another lab? This is actually our old lab, our initial lab we it is? turned it into a virtual version oh, yeah cute that's pretty cool <laughs> yeah it's pretty cool actually we're excited about that and then and so and then you're just like oh like find the test tubes for find these you know certain yeah locations that may pop up you may see certain you know lights surrounding you that marks a location and how many how long have you been doing these tests um so about a a year and a half now. So what have you found about, like, do, like, boys remember stuff worse than girls? Is yeah. age a thing? Like, what's going on? We what are we finding? We don't look at those yet because you have to have a lot of numbers to make sense of, like, gender differences or age. And got it. Got it. Got we, it. We, we don't want to just, like, small, swing in the dark yeah, as scientists. We, we work got with it. small groups because not a lot of people have these implants. So there's only, you know, our, our first study was four patients that we published. How many people in, like, the United States, like, have those kind of pl- um, implants, if you had you to know, guess? I don't know the exact number, but at least at UCLA, you know, we have a couple dozen at least. Uh, do you in the country there could be like a hundred oh yeah definitely more than a hundred hundreds i would say at this point um, and they have things ranging from epilepsy to these are all epilepsy patients all epilepsy mm-hmm. but like i said it's going to start to be other disorder you know neuropsychiatric disorders once we get you know further along for them yeah, yeah. But, you know, so, yeah, and Parkinson's patients also have these implants. So. And Parkinson's is the disease where you, like, you, like, your, like your muscles. Disorder. Yeah, Yeah, so difficulty initiating movements, and they can have tremors and things like I that. I think I've heard, I think I have, like, a family friend who has this, and I think he had an implant that they tried yeah. to do some, like, turning off and mm-hmm. on of things that I think it had some yeah, some success. That's what the, the goal is, is they can, you know, reduce their tremors or get them to start moving more smoothly. It's It's been very successful in Parkinson's and essential tremor uh, with those patients. And so like, what have we gleaned from the studies? Is there anything so, you know, right that you're allowed to share started. or something? So it's a few years. We did just publish a study that we had one congenitally blind patient who happened to also have epilepsy. Congenital means that you were born, born with it. Mm-hmm. So never had sight. And uh, very interestingly, like his theta oscillations were very strong compared to the folks that were just looking around, you know, and Similar to the animal studies that people have done, you know, where they see very strong theta oscillations, like when a rat runs around in a maze and is trying to learn a maze. So we're trying to tease apart, like, what makes these more prominent, these theta oscillations more prominent? Is it more attention, more cognitive load? Um, we have eye tracking in the goggles. We can see. Where so sorry to be annoying. Moving. Cognitive load. Cognitive it's feeling Westworld. Yeah. I love that so, word. What's it mean? Uh, you know, if you're trying harder at something, if it's more difficult, more taxing. You're like when I learned finger waves, my cognitive load was like huge. Okay. Yeah. Maybe there you go. Yeah. Like when I was like learning, it's like this like old vintage like hairstyle that like I was really bad oh, at learning. Okay. 
Like yeah. I could not wrap my head around it. Then there, we, that would be a high cognitive load situation. Even if you ended up sucking at it, you still had like a high yeah, cognitive it load. It doesn't matter whether you're doing good or well or, not. or not. It's just yeah, difficult, difficult. And is that beneficial for your brain to just like for the long term health of your brain to be in a situations where you have a high cognitive load? Is that like it's good, right? There's a, there are studies, yeah, for sure that show that. I think there's also a level, you know, where you you're, if you're having too much stress because of that, then that could be a bad thing. But uh. that can affect the hippocampus in the other way. But definitely using it does stress affect the hippocampus it does, yeah. in nervous systems yeah the hippocampus the memory system it does if it's too much too long you know too long of a time period where you've got high levels of stress could be oh we actually just talked about that yeah. it's it's called um stress toxic toxic Toxicity. stress toxic stress something it's like kids get it when they're separated yeah. from their families because they're in this like really prolonged high level mm-hmm. of stress and like they're never allowed to soothe because like it's <laughs> yeah no it's like it, it creates like all these like long-term like PTSD yeah. and all these like other issues it's like insane okay. so as a neuroscientist who's you know this is like your field like do you have any like fears of like things like coming in your way for being able to like continue your research mm-hmm. is there anything that you're having to like deal with like politically or like socially to like you know, be able to keep your keep yeah. your mission? I mean, it's funding is always the issue we, we struggle with. You know, I got to write grants. My first two years of wrote dozen dozen grants or so that, you know, get rejected. And How long is a grant? Uh, it's long. It can be, I don't know, it's 50 pages sometimes. Too bad you can't it's, send in a video, like an Instagram <laughs> video or something. Yeah, that would be interesting. They, don't, they haven't done that yet with them. That'd right? be cute. Yeah. It's like easier to digest. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you should just submit one and see. <laughs> see what happens. Yeah. What if I grant? started like a whole new <laughs> way? Hey. I'm, it's 2018. Good, good, good work. It's Trump's America. <laughs> you know, you just got to figure out how to like work it. You got to be resourceful. <laughs> Interesting idea. I mean, sorry, I'm full of them. So (laughs) it might have helped me actually. You know, it could. These videos could help. (laughs) It could. So, so then once you have them in the room and they're and they're walking through and they've how long does one take? Uh, it can range. We give them breaks, you know, but f- 10 minutes for one session and then they can do it again and again. With science, you want to do things as many times as you can to get dependability on what you're seeing. So we have them try to continue and do it again and again until they. And then yeah. when you say like what you're seeing, like, so mm-hmm. how do you read the results? Like, so you're, so it's like, okay, great, um, Wendy, Lots that of, was really yeah. good work. We you know we'll see you next mm-hmm. week for your second trial or whatever. And then they and leave. And the work begins. Uh, I have a team of, of students and postdocs and computer programming. That's what every, you know, everybody in the lab uses to try to analyze the signals, math, you know, physics, you know, lots of. Physics? <laughs> my One of my top people is Arag John, who's a postdoc in the lab, is a physics, physics PhD. So. And, and he just has to disseminate she, like or she yeah. has to disseminate like all the she analyzes the data looks at it in all different ways what data do you get like just like they're, the. i mean they could think of it as brain waves but they're deep in the brain so there are a lot more inform there's a lot more information in there than the the recordings you can get just from the head like from those little sensor things yeah the, so these are much more you know detailed um signals that we can record when they when it's an implant in the brain i love that story yeah it's fair it's first you know it's first time we've really are able to look at these signals. So it's like kind of the new frontier in my field. Like, what can we now do with this? How long, I was going to say, because like, how long do you think it will take before you start seeing like your field, like, you know, matriculate into other fields, like with Mm. psych, more psych stuff and like other, like I'd imagine like addiction, depression, PTSD, like, like. Uh, This, this area is going to definitely go into those other areas very, very soon. Like, like five years? Or even less. Cute. And we're already doing stuff in one, a couple of those areas. Well, well tell me about it. Um, so, you know, PTSD, depression. So we'll have some studies in the next year. 
looking and Do, dealing with brain implants. Mm-hmm. Cute. Yeah. So it's just like top secret. I love it. Sort of. Yeah. Oh, okay. Heard it here first. Breaking <laughs> news, honey. Um, that's that's Don't a really get me in trouble. No, we won't. So when you were learning to be, or when you're like becoming a neuroscientist and stuff, like how many. Like, is there like a frontal lobe expert and like a like uh uh the the what's that thumb thing? Amygdala. Yeah, is there an amygdala expert? Like, is there experts in every yeah, different some, area? Some people focus on brain areas. I think more commonly they focus on a topic of cognition, like memory or emotion, or you know, um, since where I, does emotion live? Like, we talked about amygdala and fear, but it also does. It's involved in other emotions as well. But it's it, it it's 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 where does brain. hunger live? Hunger. We have we have the hypothalamus, which regulates. Your you know hunger and satiety, but the brain really works as a whole. The, what the about new, sex? Where does sex, sex live? There's like a, probably several regions, but pleasure areas. There's a what's the pleasure area? <laughs> um, there's an area called the nucleus accumbens that if you were to stimulate, it's like very pleasurable. And okay, know. someone told me this. This is rapid fire sex stuff. I just remember that neuroscience and like sex that's like a thing. Okay. Sorry that your mom's right there. <laughs> um, <laughs> whatever, but <laughs> it won't be too bad. It's not that hardcore. I'm um, also like uh, her mom is in the room this whole time, you guys. So uh, whatever. Um, <laughs> No, my mom's not here, but she, no, who are you? Be listening I'm her PR though. Oh, never mind. Her PR person. It's fine. She can talk about sex in front of her. It's not her mom. I just assumed. Okay, Whatever. My mom's fine. With that's why you can't make an. That's why you can't assume in real life. You guys just heard it right here in your real life. I didn't know. Okay. Okay. So here's the other thing. So with okay, someone told me that like foot fetish people like it's like like where like where like the feeling of like your feet lives in your brain is right next to like where sex lives in your brain, and so sometimes like their wires just got crossed, or is that a wives' tale? Oh, that's an interesting idea. I've not heard that one. I guess theoretically because this guy who this guy who like I had like some of the most <laughs> gorge sex with in my whole life. He was so into feet. It like it ended up like I was like. Honestly, I can't like I tried to be like supportive for years, but then like and eventually I was just like, well, you, I just no, I, I was I was there for it, but then like eventually I was just like, you know what? This is, I just need you to like stop fucking licking between my toes all the time. It is like, like can we just? I just want to go home. Like I just like can we just finish up so I can just go watch gymnastics? Like you are exhausting me with this foot thing. So you never heard about that as a neuroscientist about that that whole. No, but like, it's possible. I mean, the areas that represent certain body parts, you know, and and triggering other areas, it's all interconnected. So it's just it's a hard thing to study. So yeah. So tell know. us about like fucked up brain stuff like on our way out. That's like interesting. Like interesting oh, brain gosh. stuff. Like what's like like what like what's like some stuff. interesting brain stuff. Interesting brain stuff. I mean, just the idea that you can damage a, a, a certain part of the brain and then completely lose a function like memory or being able to experience fear, you know, or Ooh, what's fear. that like? I mean, probably horrible, right? Because there's a thing where you can't get because like uh, you would just see a bridge and be like, I'm not or scared. Or see a snake and not be afraid of it and just mine is play very with it. well. No, my <laughs> my you, no, my fear <laughs> part is very well working. Okay. I'm terrified of heights. I yeah, fucking same, hate snakes. Same, I also hate same. spiders. Yeah. Um, phobias, so yeah, I have I'm plenty. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's that's the the sort of fascinating but also disturbing thing that there you can sadly have damage to some some part of the brain and lose some function. One other thing that mm-hmm. that I think is like really fierce is you're you're a young woman of color. You're like mm-hmm. a woman of color, and Minority you're already group in the science world. Yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm trying to say. Yes. However clunkily and yeah. non efficiently as possible. I'm very proud. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love that. Like, good on you because you are a woman in this field, and I feel like there's. You're probably like there's not that there's many not that like many. women of color at, that are at, at their certain level. The numbers just keep going down and down. The sort of the higher you go up, sadly. Well, but yay for you. So, what do you say to other like mm-hmm. young women that are listening to this podcast? Because I think my fan base is mm-hmm. overwhelmingly female. Mm-hmm. What to what do you tell them? Like, just keep going. Like, get interested in brain stuff. Keep like, going, find your passion. Don't worry about what 
people look like that are, you know, in those careers because that doesn't represent, you know, what you can do. And, you know, just uh, break the molds. Go for what you love. And it's been so worth it and satisfying for you. It's been totally worth it. I love my job every day. I lo- and and it's like and obviously like enough people w- supported you and like got out of your fucking way for you to like mm-hmm. sort it out. Yeah, and you just like you said, just don't give up. You just keep going. The the failures are part of the success. You got lots of them. You got to get used to those. Does, honey, no, and, sex, and I think that is true. Like, and I and I hate that Joel Osteen is the one that like I remember saying it, but it's like success is defined by like how quickly you move between mm-hmm. your nose. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like not mm-hmm. the yeses that are it's important. It's like if you can get through. Because I had mm-hmm. so many nos. Yeah. I still you get too. nos. Everyone gets I nos. Get, I've gotten like 12 grants rejected and all I got was one that's all I needed. And they were like 50 fucking pages all each. Of them were a lot of work. Also, and not to defend myself for thinking that your publicist was your mom, but I just want to explain it a little bit further. <laughs> that was your niece outside, okay. right? Okay. So picture it, you guys. When I came out to this couch, you had this, you had your baby niece there. Well, I, I was I was introducing you to family. Yeah. And I so and I was had, she was so, so cute. We had, thought, a, yeah. we had a full model full shoot. Photo and then shoot. I just figured that because your niece is like younger, I figured my that. Mom too. Well, just like, a, or, yeah, or like her mom or something because she was like, <laughs> Young, I didn't know, but you're you look 11 years old yourself. You don't like you look very, very baby young. I know it's like, I, you know, it's like whatever. I just it's like didn't family. know. It's all family. We're all family. Anyway. I just was feeling really family vibes, and, and I felt the need to like explain myself because I was feeling kind of stupid. Yeah, we, we love, we love. Um, wait, so yoga class, it's like the end. Like, did I miss any poses that I really should have like hit on neuroscience or like you? Or is there anything that the children really need to know about like memory cognition or epilepsy or anything that we covered? I mean, I think what you alluded to, using the brain is important. Definitely exercise it. You know, keep active physically and mentally. Those are all very good points and definitely good for the brain, regardless of whether we know all the answers or not. I think it's safe to say that that's important. And I'm glad you touched on the, you know, sort of minority issue in science. I'm really hoping to to contribute to changing that. In, well, in you are. You are. <laughs> and also inspiring other young women to just, you know, get into But I'm sure you have fields. a lot of young women in your lab. Mostly women, actually, yeah. Good for Mostly you. Women. And that, no, that's important because it's like, I think I even do that with like my comedy shows. Like I try to go out of my way to do more women and more people mm-hmm. of color because I think for that you. proportionally, you know, white men have had it much easier getting to realize their, getting to realize their passions and stuff. So I think mm-hmm. it's really important that we extend and we share and we make it as you know inclusive as possible. So like, good on you. And I'm so happy that you're doing that. Thank you as well. For oh my God, my pleasure. <laughs> no, thank you for giving me like 40 minutes of your time and like me being like a total dum-dum. I really you're appreciate awesome. it. Awesome. But I'm not a neuroscientist level smart, honey. She's just not there. But thank you so much for coming and getting curious. Absolutely. You've been listening to Getting Curious with me, Jonathan Vanessa. I'm not a doctor. My guest this week was a doctor. Her name is Nantia Suthana. You'll find links to Dr. Suthana's work and socials in the episode description of whatever you're listening to this show on. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at, if you don't know it, girl, that is your problem, and I'm not saying it right now. Our theme music, oh, that's rude. It's JVN. I'm sorry. I love you guys. I was just kidding. Also, our theme music is Street by Quinn. Thank you to her so much for letting us use it. If you enjoyed our show, write a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, bring in some new listeners. Put it up on the Facebook. Put it on the Twitter. Share it. Click it. Link it. We love you. Thank you so much for listening, and we love you guys, and we'll see you next time on Getting Curious. This has been an Earwolf production. Executive produced by Scott Ackerman, Chris Bannon, and Colin Anderson. For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com. Hey, guys. It's Ashir. And Nicole. From Best Best Friends. Friends. 
our podcast has been out for a few months. If you haven't listened to it, you should. We've already asked the big questions in life. Imagine if we could lay eggs. Okay, sure. <laughs> I guess we wouldn't that be funny if you could eat from yourself? No, because that's like cannibalism. Not when you eat yourself. What? Hmm? Answer listener questions. Hi, Nicole and Sashir. What happens if Sashir dies first? I mean, I've never thought of that. Well, I would be so sad. <laughs> oh, no, Nicole. Nicole. <laughs> I'm not going to die. Take BuzzFeed quizzes. Let's pick eight foods and we'll give you a sex position to try. Whoa. This is wild. Plus, we bring on other funny best friends to talk about their friendship. I almost want to cry. I feel, I don't know why that really made me feel emotional. But it's because <laughs> it's pure to talk about it friendship. It's nice. It's so nice. It's like so rare to like articulate it, but she's always there for me. Like I, I think she's just somebody who... <laughs> Oh, I love this. I love it so much. Oh, my God. It's really sweet. Best Friends with Nicole Byer and Sashir Zameda is new every Wednesday. On Stitcher. Apple Podcasts. Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen. Oh, my God. To it. (laughs) 